Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 70 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is the good brother TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, man? What's going on? Uh, absolutely nothing, PT. You know, just uh, the end of another long, long, long week. I don't know. This this winter weather coming in is, is sort of harshing my vibe, dude. Not going to lie. But uh, other than that, I am, I am fine and dandy. Fine and dandy. But yourself? Too bad. We're getting, still getting some sunshine over by me, so it's not we are in the midst of the middle of October, a couple weeks away from Halloween at the time of recording. So still got some sunshine out, a little bit of extra daylight as we get into November into December. We're not going to be doing that, but all right. I had a long week as well. Uh, just, you know, lots of things kind of going on. So trying not to let them be too much of a bummer. Try to stay positive. I know we kind of had a mini topic last week about how wrestling fans aren't the most positive people when it comes to wrestling itself so trying to circumvent some of the major portion of that and try to stay positive and hopefully look on the brighter side of this week so i'll take a note from you if i can uh well i mean not many times can you take a note from me but i have been uh Living that slightly better, uh, better position on my life, so it has been, you know, been okay. But yeah, people watch wrestling because they just want to hate themselves while watching wrestling, and they just hate the wrestling they watch. But yeah, th- this week was was sort of a little bit of uh, a little bit of good fun. There was a lot of good news in the in the world of wrestling this week. Um, just uh, just as an aside, uh, I actually you know really want to see. Um, Simon Miller in his uh in his Impact debut. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff like that was that was really fun. Um, and then uh just just a lot of cool stuff that's that's coming up and storylines that are sort of uh, making the world of wrestling a little bit of ex- a little bit exciting and things like that there. So yeah, there's there's stuff to be excited for for sure. Um. But uh, it's whether or not uh, the rest of the world can see that excitement or just go, eh, it's not this or it's not that way. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now and in the world of professional wrestling. So we're trying to stay a bit on the positive, just as much like, like we can as well. And hopefully everybody, much like Joker, is doing well, staying safe, staying positive, doing the best you can, putting in that hard work. You mentioned Simon Miller long time contributor and and wrestling fan and wrestling reporter and reviewer so he is finally having some of his major pieces pay off he got to be a part of all in london for AEW's, getting that piece with uh joe hendry so nice little see good things happen to good people so hopefully much like simon and joker once again you are doing well and staying positive and doing things. So it's quite the juxtaposition to a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, some things winding down in terms of careers, some things, lots of things moving, moving parts for some other folks. So let us kick into it. 
As a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash kayfabecouncil and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at Drew McIntyre keeping it real, Judgment Day overexposed, Sting announces retirement, and Logan Paul wants the U.S. title. So, coming up first. Drew McIntyre, Keeping It Real. Reminds me of that old Dave Chappelle skit, When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong. But hopefully, Drew McIntyre is Keeping It Real Goes Right for him. So the premise of this was an appearance on this past week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Seth Rollins was addressing the crowd in the arena and the WWF fans or the universe, whatever your flavor, whatever you'd like to call them. Drew McIntyre comes in. They had set up previously their upcoming match at Crown Jewel for the World Heavyweight Championship on November 4th. And they got into a little bit of a verbal escapade and essentially Drew was just being real and saying, you know what, that uh, he's a little bit perplexed. He's trying to remain true to himself. Uh, He mentioned the notion of Jey Uso coming over to Raw from SmackDown, and he doesn't quite heartedly trust him. He's talking about the run-ins where he could have saved some folks. He mentioned the likes of the Cody Rhodes who has done that. So it's one of those things that he's being honest in a sense. Like it's a very almost different, and I hate to say it, like a sort of realistic character in a sense, uh, and to a point he made notion of the bloodline, and, and he's remembering what they did to him. He spoke about, you know, that, that lightning in a bottle moment for the WrestleMania in 2020. I believe it was 36. Feel free to correct me. When he beat Brock and became the champion, he had that second piece in Cardiff for the Clash at the Castle, but unfortunately was deterred by interference from Solo Sokoa debuting on the main roster. Now he potentially has a third lightning in a bottle moment with Seth in Saudi Arabia at Crown Jewel. But yeah, it's one of these really interesting things. And and Seth got on him a little bit about, you know, you should let it go from the bloodline. And and there was a little bit of contention. There were some heated words, but it was more so from uh, the character-driven element. So Joker, I'm going to throw it over to you. What are your thoughts on this type of character, this little bit more of a sort of realistic uh, kind of vibe to say maybe more so than a caricature than we've seen maybe from other characters on uh, a Raw or SmackDown? We've talked about characters like this before, actually, and I found it kind of funny, coincidental, ironic, whatever you kind of want to say that it has taken the move of Kevin Owens away from Raw for a Kevin Owens character to be placed in uh, in Mr. Drew McIntyre because Kevin Owens is the famous uh, I remember everything character and is, you know, he's, he's slow to trust, quick to anger and all this here. And I find it funny that he is now off Raw and has had his character immediately usurped uh, by Mr. Drew McIntyre. I like it. I honestly do. I don't like I don't like things that don't make sense, like constantly running in whenever you're outnumbered. We actually saw that uh with MJF this past week as well, 
whenever he refused to do a run in because it'd be one v four. I'd be super silly. Um, and he approached it and he's like, "I'm not your. I'm not a good guy. Like I'm a scumbag and all this here." And th- this is the same feeling that we're getting from Drew McIntyre. It's like, it's not going to benefit me. Why would I run in? But he ran in to help uh, save Seth because it did benefit him. So he's making calculated uh, maneuvers, and I like to see it. It's 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 logical. It makes sense, and it's not a it's not a complete. Oh, I'm the superhero, John Cena, gonna run in and uh, defy all the odds, and kind of um, sort of win no matter what's gonna happen because I can put three people on my back and KOD them, um, or you know, attitude adjustment, you know, and, and you know, insert John Cena move here. Um, it just makes sense. I like it. It's something that is fresh, not often seen. Um, he did make reference to his old theme tune. Um, that you know he could have brought back, but he didn't want to kind of rest. You know, bring back the nostalgia just because. Um, I like it. He's addressing this stuff. It makes sense. It's 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 actually kind of tongue in cheek, really to hear somebody uh, be this logical whenever you're so used to the caricatures that are the wrestlers. Yeah, that's a fair point. I believe it's a line from Steve Austin where he said sort of the best character you can be is yourself turned up to 11. And a lot of times when you can have shades of just being yourself as opposed to, man, he's come a far way from being one-third of the three-man band. I guess he was trying to be sort of the they labeled him as the like the Joker type, uh, no pun intended, like kind of the the prankster and kind of something like that. But he ended up getting released. Obviously, he did all that work to build himself back up. One of his major pushes when he came from NXT to Raw was that that really brutal heel and kind of bad guy. He was paired with uh, Dolph Ziggler for just a time and then kind of came out on his own so had a really great showing in the 2020 Royal Rumble be that as it may he's shown great strides in terms of his character and that's where I was bringing that back to so yeah the fact that he is being relatable like you don't have this completely on the opposite left or the opposite right where you're just like super ultra mega baby face and you do it no matter what because it's the right thing to do. You're not that like dastardly heel bad guy with the, you know, thin curly mustache and the and the top hat and, you know, tying damsels to the train tracks type of thing. It's it's very much like it could be a real person. It could be your friend, could be your mate, could be somebody that you know from school or work or something like that. And to that end, he's not you know, he's he's kind of a bit of a tweener is what I'm feeling. Like he's not a true baby face. He's not going to trust everyone. He's like, oh, you're also kind of a good guy. So now we're best friends. You know, he remembers, like you said, what happened from the, the bloodline elements, why he has sort of tensions with Jay. He had that little confrontation with Sammy because he's so forgiving and, and, and had a different journey with in relation to Jay. So. Yeah, it's just one of those things, and much like you said, that that Kevin Owens-type character where he does remember, and it feels real, and it feels very relatable. He feels like a protagonist more so than sort of like an NPC type of character. Like, this is very much like, oh, you could be playing a a Drew McIntyre type of character in 
in a novel or a, a movie watching him or in a book or something like that. So I do like the fact that he feels very cautious or calculated, I think is, is a apropos thing. Even to that end, he was saying he wants Seth at 100% type of thing. So maybe he might do moves in that nature. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's it's a real good setup to be disingenuous as well. Like, we could have this, oh yeah, I'm going to want you at 100%. But I, I honestly, I don't see Drew winning. But I do see Drew losing and beating the tar out of Seth afterwards um, and solidifying a full heel turn. Um, if that was to happen, I wouldn't be surprised. I do feel like he is sat smack dab in the middle of being a tweener right now. Um, the the logical nature of this character not trusting people because oh you know you know Jey Uso you're all forgiving him why are you doing that I'm like well because it's what the characters and the way the general story of Raw is kind of going here Drew you know the the nail that sticks out gets hammered buddy if you're gonna sit there and make a big stink stink about it then you're probably your character might suffer. Um, but he has found a way to be um, to be a real character and make it make sense without being like too heelish and being that mustache twirling character that you were talking about. Um, but I don't feel like Drew is the type of person, um, and this is just my own personal opinion that suits sitting in that middle part. Like you can have Seth be a tweener. Like Seth is, is actually a, a perfect tweener because he is a lovable person, but he can be a complete douche and you marry those. And you just kind of like, that is Seth Rollins with, with Drew McIntyre. I prefer him one way or the other, like a full blown baby face. Like I, I have liked the Scottish warrior. I feel like he did really well whenever he was given his chance with the title. I do think he deserves another chance with the title, especially considering we do have him now back with, um, back with uh, fans. However, I really, really like the Scottish psychopath. His, whenever he did re-debuted back with Dolph Ziggler and he went on a tear and he murdered everybody. It was so good. Um, and I kind of, want to go back to that if it's if it's a slow turn cool fine fair enough if it's a you know rip the band-aid off and we do it at crown jewel i'm also perfectly okay with that uh but i i don't kind of want him sitting in the middle and being best mates with part of them and going oh i don't trust you and then kind of sitting in the background of some scenes with talking to Rhea Ripley who is the head of the uh who's the head of the new bloodline the uh, the judgment day here so you kind of see that and you go okay so you don't trust Jey Uso but you're willing to trust this new evil that kind of way and it's like mm, make that part start to see sense and I'll be on board with whatever Drew McIntyre does but make sure that it is a needle that has been moved from one side to the other. Hitting my microphone is really, really fun for PT. Um, so it's just one of those things that I personally want to see him keep it real. Yes, yeah, sure, hundred percent. But let's have direction for the character. Let's not just make it ambiguous. Um, let's actually push this character towards something. 
Agreed. It's we've seen much like you mentioned that Scottish psychopath of him just being total dominating force and the other complete opposite end of the spectrum. There was like two or three weeks where he was pseudo aligned with a new day and uh, they had one of those promos on Smackdown talking about, uh, you know, Biggie's not here at the moment. Call me Big D type of thing. And you can tell, you know, he can play a very charismatic babyface or can play that very menacing overpowering heel and to that end you mentioned the upcoming match with he and seth on the crown jewel pay-per-view upcoming in a couple weeks much like a street profits right now who are paired with bobby lashley and i think about a month or so when they started courting one another bobby was and you know they were still kind of big faces but now they're they were slowly having this kind of heelish turn while still being there, and now they're they're almost fully heel, and they're about to be completely heel, probably either this coming week or in the next weeks or so. So in that transition period, I feel like Drew is is about to decide maybe where he's going to uh, to set himself. And you brought up that too. I feel like if we were to have that match at Crown Jewel with Seth. Losing would cement that over-the-edge nature to move him back towards that Scottish psychopath. I think I'm in agreement with you that if indeed that happens, maybe it's it's a close match and he just loses out to Seth. He takes it over the edge and that's what cements. So that's what feels like right to me. Does that does that seem does that seem fair? Yeah, that's a really good comparison with the Street Profits. I I'm, personally I feel like they're already. Pretty much, you know, they're already full heel now. With the 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 last couple of weeks, them actually attacking people and kind of being more vicious and, and aggro, and that's what I want to see at the end of this crown jewel match for a hard fought win for this sort of um uh respect, like an almost like Seth goes full baby face in the end and offers the hand as a good good match, you know, and all this here and. Drew just loses it. He's like, no, I can't. I can't even. I can't even win whenever I follow the rules. Whenever I do this here, I'm. You know, I need to take matters into my own hand, uh, my own hands, and and you know, he claymore kicks him or headbutts him. You know, whatever you want to do. Um, I feel like that would be a super solid run because we always know that Seth likes to have matches in threes. So. We could run this back at Survivor Series in the next couple of weeks after that, and then they could have a match on SmackDown in December, or not SmackDown and Raw in December. Um, so I mean, it's one of those that this will be good to see um, uh, a trilogy between Seth and Drew. I think that is what we can build towards this first one, where we're sort of ambiguous in what Drew is. Um, a second one where there leaves no doubt in anybody's mind that Drew is actually um, uh, uh, wanting to be a heel, and then maybe a third one where he just completely goes unhinged and beats the the tar out of out of Seth. Yeah, fair play. Let's it's has a little shades of a Shinsuke Nakamura arc, but it definitely does feel different. They're two. No, I wouldn't say diametrically opposed heels or, or characters but they have different feel they have different approaches to their targeting of seth and, and i'm of course mentioning drew and a shinsuke so 
Yeah, I think it's a really interesting piece. Like we've mentioned, Crown Jewel can sometimes be non-canon, but I hear murmurings that they want this one to be sort of WrestleMania-like-esque with uh, the big kind of grandeur and everything. So we're definitely getting that match. It's looking like Drew might uh, kick it up a notch for that match with Seth. So, But I'm definitely liking the character because, once again, to bring it back home, He's very relatable, feels real. Like he it's almost like three and a half, almost fourth wall breaking in a sense to that to that end. So a lot of people can align with him. But with that, those were our thoughts on Drew McIntyre keeping it real. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Let us know your thoughts on Drew McIntyre's character. If you like him keeping it real, remembering being a relatable character. You hopefully think that keeping it real does not go wrong. All right, next on the docket, Judgment Day overexposed. So this was something I took a small note from this past week's episode of Raw, and actually subsequently just WWE in the last couple of weeks. But more specifically, this past week's episode of Raw, like I mentioned, Judgment Day itself. Suto this year's bloodline, like you had mentioned slightly earlier, being pushed to the moon, baby. Multiple segments on multiple shows. Take Monday Night Raw, for example, uh, interacting with Sam in the opening segment, backstage with Damien talking about Drew. Rhea runs into uh, you know the the piece just before the commercial for Becky. Rhea has that in ring promo before the match. The match itself. She talks to Adam Pierce, so it sets up that five-way match for Crown Jewel. The tag match that closes the show. Tons of Judgment Day, specifically on this episode of Raw. Was this something that you noticed, or was it very noticeable for you at all? Or was that just something you're just kind of watching the show and sort of in the back of your mind? It's I, I sort of noticed it, but I sort of also didn't notice it, if that makes sense, because... It just felt like I was watching the Judgment Day show, not Raw. Like I felt like I was watching a two-yar sans ads um, episode of just the Judgment Day. Uh, like you said, that that kind of eyes between Becky, um, her coming into the the back and saying, "Oh, I was on calls, you know, I was taking taking care of business and all this here," um, and then yeah, that rumble with the ladies out in the ring which i appreciated because um we ended up um needing that uh we saw all of these ladies coming out um and kind of interacting with Rhea i feel is the most important thing like her match with Shayna was so important for both and I saw this as as a train wreck because I didn't want Shayna to get derailed at all. Um, and it seems like with her, they, they they bring her out every couple of weeks now. And I thought we were getting somewhere with with Shayna, and I'm a little bit disappointed um, at her being used the way she is, or as often as she is. But the fact that we had the interruption, the disqualification in her match, I'm just like, cool. Actually, that that brings everything together for Rhea. Um and then you know you had everything else with the judgment day, the the tag match later on and you know it was 
a fun episode of the Judgment Day. I wouldn't have said that that was an episode of Raw. Um, everything seemed to revolve around them, and I feel like we've talked about that before. That it was heading that way, or at least it felt like it was heading that way. Um, maybe about a month ago that we were talking about, oh well, the you know the bloodline isn't here, but the Judgment Day is. Um, yeah, so. It, it it's definitely been at the forefront of uh, my mind while watching both shows, actually. Yeah, you can make a fair point to say that 2022 was a year of the bloodline, especially that la- later half of the year post-WrestleMania for 2022, where there's been a lot of focus now on this year for the Judgment Day. Literally, I even took note of the crack team of researchers, a.k.a. just me, just taking a look back. At least one member of the Judgment Day has either had a match, promo, or segment on every Raw in 2023. And that's why it feels as though you made the nomenclature that it's a Judgment Day show. Because they've been literally all over. Some weeks where, like this past week, it's been multiple segments. I can think of the other week we had Dominic appear on SmackDown, had that interaction with Nick Aldis. They've been peppered into... NXT, where Dominic, as the NXT champion, we have Rhea making appearances as the as the manager as the second. We have other facets where we've seen a Finn or a Damian make a guest spot as well on an NXT by proxy. We're having a lot of things, and before folks are coming at uh, me specifically, I'll just say at the moment, I like a lot of these. I like these guys. I'm a huge Finn fan. I like Damian Priest. He brings a different vibe. Uh, Dominic's just being the big heat magnet. Of course, Rhea, they're pushing to the moon. It's one of those, like, you know, I, I like how they present, and I like these folks in the, the piece. It's just I, it's something I just happen to observe and, and just mentioning it here. Another note uh, to that end about it being a sort of Judgment Day-esque show. Uh, we have Dom, Damien, and Finn either lost or regained their titles within weeks of losing them, Dom with the NXT title with Trick Williams, the tag titles uh, being interrupted by the Cody and Jay portion right there. Uh, we're having Rhea be a very much a presence on the show. You know, she is in the Judgment Day segment. She accompanies Dom and or sometimes Damien and Finn. We have the backstage segments with other people. She's interacting with a lot of rosters. She occasionally interacts with the women's division. Uh, to that note, the putting uh, house show appearances and defenses aside, basically since the August 14th Raw against Indy Hartwell, has Rhea started to interact with the women's division on a semi-regular basis? We mentioned before... I mean, that kerfuffle with the last Saudi Arabia show, that Night of Champions, where it had been almost two months since she even had a match or defended that, where she had that random squash match against Natalia at that Saudi Arabia show. So it's something to that end about she's being featured, which is great because we've talked about we want opportunities for both the guys and the gals. And she's one of those where, man... She's on there. She she's body slamming, you know, guys and taking it to the women as well. You you mentioned earlier about how it was so important for 
the the Shayna and the other ladies, the Naya, the uh, Raquel Rodriguez's, and now the Zoe Sark to interfere in that Shayna and Rhea match to be featured on the show, but then also have that piece to be a part of that Rhea segment where, again, she gets a lot of TV time. It's one of those where it's good for them. Hopefully we're not running it until the wheels fall off because, like you said, it's October. It's the middle of October now. This has definitely been a year for the Judgment Day. You you have to do that segment because, like, you need to remind people that yes, you're not you're not dreaming. Nia Jax really did resign. Um, yes, Raquel Rodriguez is okay and she is still here. Yes, Zoe Stark is fine again and she can also go. And I feel like, you know, with just it being Rhea, and I made this argument for Jay and uh, Cody last week, you tend to put, um, you can put titles on people, not to cool them off, but to make them relevant on TV without giving them anything specifically match-wise. And that is what they did with Rhea. Now, we noticed it with Rhea because they went a little too long. Yeah. And the fact that they did a lot of interaction with the men's division where she was picking up Doc Gallows, you know, she was slamming people into, you know, and she was interfering in matches for Finn and Damien. At that point, she didn't feel like the leader of the Judgment Day, though. She was just another member of the Judgment Day. Recently, this this has been put onto her that she is actually kind of the de facto leader because Monday Night Mommy makes sense, and we like to see this. We do. I I personally love Rhea Ripley. I feel like you know, ever since I saw her in NXT in the black and gold, um, I have loved everything about her. I think that um, that her and Bianca Belair have such similar vibes with the big strong units but they can still super go. Uh, they're charismatic. Um, I feel like they're two sides to the same coin uh, in terms of in terms of just one's a super baby face, one's a super heel. Um, so it's one of those that I really, really enjoy. I, like yourself, huge Finn fan. I love Damien Priest. Um, and I, you know, I can tolerate Dom. But it's it's one of those that Dom has actually grown on me. I loved his segment when he was in the ring with Triple H, and Triple H was like, "I don't think your mic's on. I'm gonna, you know, use this one." And Dom wiped off the microphone. I'm like, "You're in that ring with three vets of the business, and you have the cheek of all the cheeks to wipe off the microphone of the head of creative." And you know, talk smack to these other guys, and I'm just like, I really like that segment. Triple H is known to literally put the microphone on his mouth, so maybe that was oh, a yeah, little yeah. nod to that. Oh, a hundred percent. Like he, he like you, you can always see that he is eating that microphone. Yeah, every single time. Um, and I just love that. I thought that, that was a clever little thing that Dom did. It solidified him. Everybody loves Pop H. Everybody loves Scrap Daddy and loves. Nick Aldis. So you're just kind of sat there like, this, is, this would be intimidating to him like a couple of years ago. But he stood here with these guys and it makes sense because he is that sort of cocky, ish-eating, grin-having. Um, 
heel and i love i love that for him he is just that one one person out of the judgment day that has progressed from what he what he was when he entered the wwe in the performance center era uh to what he is now there's huge change and i love to see that but the thing is with the judgment day you can have too much of a good thing. And I feel like we cannot have too many of these episodes for people to start to realize, well, we're cutting into time here for other acts. Um, and I, I don't want us to go too long without seeing the women's division being portrayed on Monday Night Mommy, on Monday Night Raw. Um, and I, 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 I like the, what they've been doing recently with those titles, um, with the North American title that Dom has showing the judgment day on NXT. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Fine. Cool. Um, or having Becky on raw with the NXT title, you can see all this sort of fun stuff. Like you can see the brands are intermingling and I actually kind of I'm crossing my fingers for a three-way Survivor Series here this year, PT. With the three women's champions? With just all the brands. With NXT versus Raw versus SmackDown. And I feel like it would be on the Judgment Day and the Bloodline if we were to do something like that. And I think it would be a lot of fun. Quite interesting. That throwback to the 2019 Survivor Series, where we had that brand warfare. I wouldn't be opposed to that. It'd be quite interesting. Another different turn of the phrase. Yeah, to, uh, to curtail that specific point, you run with your hot hands. And Rhea, Dom, Finn, and Damien have been sort of in that upper tier in terms of WWE for much of 2023. So you're running with that. Like you said, hopefully it's not to the detriment of other folks. We can maybe use a little bit of that Judgment Day interaction to help elevate and give time without being taking away from other folks, much like you mentioned. I, like you said, they're pushing Rhea to the moon. She's on multiple uh, shows and or segments, so her interactions with specific women in the women's division is going to be uh, very important as well to get TV time if that's the only thing as well and to have those uh, the segments with with the Dom or a Finn or a Damien is also important to that point the Judgment Day has been interacting and has been targeting or has a lot of enemies right now I think in the most recent about as far as a month back we have them targeting a Sammy and a KO a Cody Rhodes and a Jey Uso. There's Damian talking about Drew McIntyre. Of course, there's Seth always in the background because of the money in the bank. They're targeting a lot of folks as well. You know, it's a, it's a decent amount of the raw roster. And uh, for that, are we stretching them too thin? Or does it feel kind of all right? Because it seems like they're kind of almost going after too many people. Yeah, and, and that's the problem. It it eventually it could be seen as, as as stretching them too thin because you have all of this different stuff going on for them, multiple different contenders, uh multiple ways to get 
belts with Senor Money the Bank, Mr. Damien Priest. Um, and, and essentially the other thing, the partnership with the Bloodline. Like, the partnership with the Bloodline also brings them into the purview of Cody and Jay, um, of Cena at the minute. LA Knight could also potentially be involved in there. Um, so you, you kind of you kind of look at it and you go, are we burning the candle at both ends with this sort of deal going on? Yes. How long is that candle? Eh, that's a, that's that's the real question, and nobody can really tell us except the creative team at WWE how far they're willing to burn this, uh, burn this thing right the way down. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of folks that they're interacting with, uh, both in the men's division and the women's division, like we talked about. They're on every Raw. Sometimes they're on NXT as well. They've been appearing on selected SmackDown, so a lot of presence on WWE television. Like we said, we're fans of the individuals. They're really good. They said, run with your hot hand, but hopefully it doesn't end up being a detriment to them being exposed too much. So the fans turn on them type of thing, but hopefully we'll find a happy medium as it is, as it stands right now. And the other thing is like you run them into the ground. There's the risk touch wood um, injuries. You don't want to see it. But if you run these, run these folks into the ground, there's the very real possibility. Um, Obviously a lot of their stuff currently at the minute is segments in the backstage is promos is interfering um, as, as, as they are to do. But should we transition to too many matches, then that is when things could be dangerous for these folks. Yeah. Let's hopefully happy, happily find that good solid medium in the middle. But those were our thoughts on judgment day. Perhaps being a little too overexposed. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what your thoughts are on the Judgment Day. If you notice them a lot on Raw, is that the Judgment Day show? Are you fans of it? Do you want to see a little more? Do you want to see a less? Let us know down in the comments below. Next on the docket here on AEW Dynamite, Sting is announcing his retirement. Man, this guy has had quite the career. He, of course, in that same segment, he was announcing a lot of his interactions with folks from the past, but he ultimately stated that he's going to have his last match at Revolution in 2024. If I'm not mistaken, at time of recording, we don't have a definite date, but that's usually around late February, early March time. That's usually their early pay-per-view for the calendar year so at t- once again at time recording at mid-october we have a couple months of a sting in aew but like i mentioned of course and alluding to his recollection or reminiscing so to speak quite the career for sting i mean it's incredible i just made a note of some of the people he's either interacted or had a match with we had Continental Wrestling Association, UWF, Universal Wrestling Federation in the late 80s, teaming, of course, with Jim Ultimate Warrior Hellwig as the Blade Runners. We go to Jim Crockett Promotions or WCW, the likes of Ric Flair, the Four Horsemen, Road Warriors, the Great Muda, Terry Funk, Lex Luger, Vader, Jake Roberts, 
Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Randy Savage, Brett the Hitman Hart, Diamond Dallas Page, Goldberg. Switch over to TNA Impact, the likes of AJ Styles, Kurt Angle, Christian Cage, Samoa Joe, Rob Van Dam. His short brief time in WWE, Triple H, and Seth Rollins. In AEW, of note, FTR and Chris Jericho. I mean, he's had since the late 80s to now early 2020s been quite all over the map had matches with the likes of the folks like i just mentioned i mean it's it's incredible the longevity this guy is in his 60s and he's still in decent shape i think AEW has done a good job with selectively using him and protecting him a lot of tag matches to be fair which i think is okay for a man in his 60s uh, who really doesn't have to do what he does. I'm thinking of that one ladder spot from like uh, Dynamite or Rampage or Collision where uh, from the ring to the to the table on the outside. And I think he chipped a tooth, uh, something like that. But Joker, what what was maybe your impressions or, or thoughts on uh, Sting for something that maybe stood out to you or that you remember or anything like that i never really had a, a wrestling background where sting was the prevailing character we've, we've kind of already established before that i never watched wcw with a regular occurrence um i do know a couple people who whenever they were kids they watched wcw religiously and they have cited sting and Goldberg as their big, you know, their loves at that time when they were kids. Like Sting with his before his Crow Sting stage, um, but also after Crow Sting. Like one of my friends was was literally gushing to me about the other day, just saying how he he just loved whenever Crow Sting came out because that was just the most fantastic thing that he'd ever seen. I was like, oh, fair enough. Um, and I think my main sort of introduction to Sting was whenever he did come to uh, WWE that first time um, that he he managed to sort of, I don't know, broker a deal. Um, I did feel like the old NWO uh, versus DX uh, showdown between him and Hunter, I, I, I don't know. It definitely reeked of... Vince McMahon saying WWE is superior to WCW, screw you, you old guys. Um, even though he was about 90 at that point. Um, his run with AEW sort of reintroduced me to staying. And yes, like you said, he has had a lot of tag matches, but the man is nearly 65 or something years of age, whatever it is. Um, and I hope I have the mobility that he has at 65. After you know his entire career, yes, he's not a high impact player um, for a lot of his career, but he still does some pretty high impact stuff. And you can look at it and you can be like, oh, you know, it, it's just staying like whatever. But the man is synonymous with wrestling, and whilst I might not be his biggest fan. Um, or have like all these cool memories of Sting. I can appreciate how Sting has reinvented himself, how Sting has presented himself, who Sting actually relates to in terms of the casual and extreme wrestling fan 
He's wrestled all around the world. Um, and he has put on absolutely amazing shows. Like one of those, one of those wrestlers you mentioned that he wrestled with, the great Muda. He he went to his retirement tour earlier this year with Darby. And there's another thing like with Darby as well. Like you, you know, he has taken he's taken on this new son uh in Darby Allen. And um while while Sting has really let his parenting duties go these last couple of weeks, um it, it's still been a breath of fresh air, uh, I'm sure for him in that role. Am I am I sad he's retiring? I would I would be disingenuous if I said yes. I personally, you know, I think he could have done with retiring a number of years ago. But fair enough to the man. He has not needed to do this. And uh yeah, the time of recording we have yet to get that um that date for revolution, but it was nice that he has picked the fact that he debuted in AEW at Revolution and now he will retire from wrestling with AEW at Revolution. I think that's nice. Yeah, a couple points right there. One of the notions of the uh the the daddy father father son relationship. One of the pieces that's still remaining, of course, the MJF and Cody father son relationship, the Jack Perry Christian Cage relationship. We had the Sammy Guevara Chris uh, Chris Jericho father son relationship, and of course Darby and Sting. Of which Darby and Sting are sort of the last components of that nature. But I mean, a four four to three year run of a cohesion in terms of having a mentorship of that, where we've seen those four uh, men mentioned grow so much and have utilize the things that they've had either the association with their mentor and just have come so far to the fact that we had the four of them in a world title match earlier this year uh, speaks volumes to what the company thinks of them their maturation their growth in terms of becoming you know a bigger wrestler and bigger attraction i think is just phenomenal and how much the fans go and get behind that so something's definitely working for sure, in terms of the way that they use sort of a, a mentor-mentee piece with the folks you mentioned, including Sting as well. And the the notion as well, it's just one of those things that, like you said, he he has a nice kind of piece where he came in at Revolution, it was 2021, because it was, yeah, the winter is coming, it was late 2020s. So to have that sort of bookend there is is really a nice kind of curtain call moment in a sense. And to that end, he gets to kind of go out on his own terms. Of course, that scary moment against Seth Rollins, where he had that sort of possible injury, which ended up being a, a cervical st- uh, spinal stenosis type of thing. And you never want to play with a sort of a spine or a neck injury or things like that. And during his WWE Hall of Fame career, you know, he's sort of saying it's kind of it for now, but luckily he was healthy enough to come back with AEW. Like you said, he didn't have to do that at all. And much like a WCW, you know, he's always kind of featured when he when he had notions with TNA and uh, impact there in the mid-2000s. He didn't have to do that, but something about it wanted to come back. The, the money in the schedule was just right, so that worked out. Once again in WWE, late 2014, 
seemed to work out. The money and the timing was right. And once again, AEW, same thing. So this guy just doesn't have to do this, but he wants to continue. And for the most part, like we said, he's been featured prominently. Specifically, we're talking about maybe a TNA and a, and a WWE and an, an AEW and sort of bigger time presentation aspects and i you know sporadically but i think it's fair and you know there's something about him like you said for those companies and for the fans that want to see him and you know it's just i'll wind down this point to say that i mean it's it's great and i think it's sort of a he gets to have his moment in the sun on his terms and it's sort of a celebration moment you know you can be sad if somebody retires or kind of goes away but it's it's to sort of honor that long career that he has yeah i i just I feel like this could go one of two ways. We'll have a really good revolution show that will culminate in Sting in the main event, and that'll be cool and that'll be fun, and then have that retirement and we'll get that press conference afterwards. Or it could just be a great Muda esque sort of um well, we're gonna roll out the hits here, buddy. It's gonna be a full sort of tribute show to sting in his career we're going to have you know all this here that we can get into it packet full of references to sting i would really hate for it to be the latter i do want it to be the former because that sort of tribute show almost is a little bit tongue-in-cheek whenever you 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 know you have this individual who's wrestling in the main event um so yeah i'm I'm kind of interested to see what kind of match he has at uh, Revolution. Uh, are we going to gear this up to be like Darby is going to be like, "Oh, you're leaving me, Sting? What the hell, man?" And then it's Sting versus Darby. Um, or are we just going to have look, Darby? I want you to be my final match. Because uh, I think, me personally, I think that Darby is the one to retire Sting. Like, what do you think? I was just about to ask, like, do you, you know, they've been paired for, you know, the guts of maybe the two to three years or so. So does it maybe make sense to you for Sting to choose Darby or like Darby to be? Does. Yeah. I feel like it does. Like, we, we, we've had these individuals who before, like, you mentioned the father figure son, the son, father son relationships, like MJF versus Cody. Like, we had that match. We have had Chris Jericho versus Sammy Guevara. We've had that match. We've had Christian Cage versus um versus Jack Jungle Perry. Boy and you know, he's still Jungle Boy. Screw that new stuff. Like, you know, Jack Perry can go and do one, mate. Um oh wait, he's still suspended. Um and then we haven't had Darby Allen versus his dad yet. So I feel like yes, for me it makes sense. Um we'll we'll have we'll have this sort of um father versus son match, I think. Okay, early predictions here. Once again, nothing's no date is announced. Of course, no match, but it's looking like it possibly could be Darby. I think that's a fair piece based on your observations and argument there. Um, one other quick notion, one sort of last point on this. Sting itself, he's been incredible character, of course. One of the things that just sort of ultimate white meat baby face type of thing. I mean, I, I think of... Uh, always fighting for, for truth and justice type of thing. It's uh, always trustful, sort of that great archetype. You know, how many times has he tried to trust Ric Flair and for Ric Flair to turn on him and, and is transposed to other people as well through various uh, companies as well. But he, he make that great archetype. And traditionally, 
I mean, the, the, the baby face possibly in their last match, would, would lose or kind of go out on the back and put the other person over, for example. So my question to you is, with a Sting being basically it's undefeated, pretty much, in AEW, can't even think in all the tag matches and stuff like that, his team's always won. Feel free to correct me if you've had one loss. But do you see him putting that person, that opponent over? Do you see AEW just having a clean slate and having him win his final match? Like he has, he has to put the person over, doesn't he? Like, to me, it makes sense that we've had these retirement matches before. We've seen that old dog put over the 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 new young pup that's sort of coming through. And while Darby has matured over these couple of years under the tutelage of Sting, I feel like if it was to go that way, and I, I personally, that is that is the one that is the the flag I am I am pitching here that. I feel like that match should happen. Um, and if it doesn't, I feel like then who who would be better if it wasn't if it wasn't him? Unfortunately, I did see that Ric Flair wants to have another match. Um, so hopefully TK kind of puts the kibosh on that and says, No, thank you, buddy. Um, because I don't want to be I don't want to see Sting retire a murderer. Um, because that is what would happen. Ric Flair would die in that ring. Um so yeah, I feel like the, the 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 real sort of on your way out thing to do is to let the the, the young person win or the young the the, the protege the, there there you go the protege should win. They go off, give you your minute in the ring, put your boots out, you know, say thank you and have your music and walk off into the sunset, never to be heard from again. Yes, the definitely sort of the if you're doing business, if you're doing good business, the person that's retiring would go down on that. Look at the lights and, and put the other person over. So I mean if it ends up being Darby, I could see potentially, and this is just this is another PT conspiracy theory, it's based on nothing. But I could see if it ends up being Darby Sting, Darby wouldn't be opposed to just putting Sting over type of thing based on their relationship. Or even Sting would be like, you know, hey, if it's Sting, I want to put Darby over. So, you know, it could be just a booking thing, but I could possibly see it going either way. But, you know, I it'd be quite the disagree. matchup, quite the matchup between a Sting and a Darby. So for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. We could also we could we could also see Sting go out on a win uh, because what it could be is we could end up um, after this last week sort of seeing what has been going on with Darby Allen. We could end up seeing a Darby Allen and Sting versus Nick Wayne and Christian Cage, with Nick Wayne taking a pin from uh, from Sting, and that would have Darby Allen and and Sting win over those two, and we could have that. I, eh, I'm kind of whatever. I'm ambiguous with that one. It, it's sort of in my head based only on the fact that we had this sort of altercation last week with Darby and Nick Wayne um, because he was trash talking his mum. So yeah, that that's sort of the s- second, maybe third match that I would have in my list. I feel like Darby and Sting, Darby versus Sting is, is, uh, is at the top of my list there for retirement matches for him. Quite interesting, you and I both thought of a singles match, which, once again, Sting has always had tag matches to help uh, 
carry the load in a matchup, but this is the first notion that you brought up a tag, so that could also be the precipice. But yeah, I think regardless, Sting is is definitely had a positive impact, and the way AEW has used him has helped make his appearances and the way that he's interacted with the roster a more so a positive for sure. So you know, you you definitely don't hear kind of negative things in regards to maybe like, oh, Sting's presence or anything like that in AEW or like, you know, in terms of uh, kind of being in the locker room. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a positive. And once again, it's, it's great to see him kind of go out on his own terms. You know, he's healthy enough to do that. And like we've talked about at Nauseam as well, we want good things for these guys and gals in the business to be able to walk away relatively healthy and, and have a, a post-wrestling life that they can still, you know, be with their families and then, you know, kind of walk around and, and not be too injured. So we love to see it. But with that, those were our thoughts on Sting announcing his retirement. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what your thoughts are on Sting announcing his retirement, what your maybe thoughts or impressions or the thing you remember most about Sting and maybe who you see as Sting's last opponent at Revolution. All right, last topic we're going to cover here. Logan Paul wants the U.S. title. So after his boxing match with Dylan Dennis, did not see it myself, but I heard about the coverage. Logan Paul goes ahead and calls out Rey Mysterio, says he wants the United States title. So you end up having that face-to-face -face interaction on SmackDown. And of course, uh, the character, of course, that Logan Paul is playing really gets under the skin. I think he's done a really good job of, of I think they tried to make him the super, super baby face when they first started. And then, you know, I'll keep my personal opinions about that individual itself, but the character that Logan Paul is playing has really leaned into sort of the the reaction from the crowd and how they've how they've accepted him and leaned into that that heel character you know he he talked about in the past with MJF leaning on some of those old school tropes talking about the the crowd themselves and maybe a local sports team and things of that nature but he's leaned into it and he does you know for argumentative sake a decent piece about being a heel Romo and then leaning into that character. And of course, he calls out the perennial baby face that is the Rey Mysterio. They have that interaction, which, to be fair, was, was quite civil. I was, I don't know what I was quite expecting, but they eventually lead to setting up that match for Crown Jewel. Uh, so, my first question to you, Joker the, the notion of Logan Paul. Wanting a shot at the U.S. title, getting that, and and by proxy, Rey Mysterio. What what's your sort of overall consensus of that? Logan Paul needs something big to fight for. Otherwise, there's no point in him having a match. All based off of the fact that you know he is out there doing his boxing thing with Dylan Dennis. Uh, like I did see the post-match sort of, I'm a good old American boy and I'm coming after that US title Ray Mysterio. is a very ham-hocked, you know, forced in there, buddy, kind of, kind of promo. What is he, uh, Apollo, uh, Apollo Crews living in yeah, America? Exactly. It, it, I, was, I was just kind of like, are you, are you serious? And Ariel Helwani was interviewing him, I believe it was, and 
just seen this big grin on his face. I'm just like, oh, this, this is just so cringe, buddy. Like, it's so, like, people who are here to watch this do not care about your WWE career right now because there was literal silence. <laughs> I heard him saying all this. I'm just like, this is, this is terrible, Logan. This is, you're not a heel to these people. You're a baby face. You're just a, an influencer kind of guy. Um, so I was, uh, I was more turned by that terrible promo that he, he cut in that ring, um, as opposed to what he did with Ray. Like it was, like you said, it was bland. It was sort of whatever. Um, but it is the right person to go against because Logan Paul is sort of a high flyer risk taker in his career. He would never be able to sit in a ring with Gunther. And I feel like even having, you know, a match between those two would insult Gunther because he would cave Logan Paul's absolute face in uh, with a couple of chops. It would actually, now that I'm, now that I'm saying that I'm kind of tempted to watch that match. Um, but you know, it's one of those things Like he has to have something. And with previous individuals, he built up those matches, whether it was through, interactions at uh, the Royal Rumble with Ricochet and then online, which led to a one-on-one match with that. It was uh, reactions with the um, with the Tribal Chief, which led up to, it was a crown jewel last year or whatever it was, whenever they had their match. Um, so and, and also the interactions that he's had with Seth Rollins. He's always gone, gone after um champions on short notice or he has you know had a little bit of a feud online uh on twitter with these people and that has sort of led into a match with the social media megastar um so yeah i feel like this is fine uh a little bit ham-fisted but it's a crown jewel practically everything's ham-fisted at crown jewel yeah i think even that last year's crown jewel with him and roman i think there were murmurings of the because of the big payday that WWE get from the Saudi Arabian government and, and the crown prince or so, he helps. He makes requests, shall we say. And uh, we, we kept hearing at nauseum how Logan Paul is huge in Saudi Arabia or something like that. So I think that was possibly in part. And he was like, hey, you know, I just, of course, I, I want to have Roman. Maybe let's, uh, that was a suggestion perhaps from uh, from the purveyor shall we say for the show yeah, perhaps perhaps it was yeah but yeah i think it's it's like i'd mentioned the sort of perennial baby face that is ray mysterio i mean he had that sort of pseudo tweener kind of ish run with the uh in wcw with uh the pairing why am i forgetting at the moment when he was unmasked um yes with, i know who you're on about with hooven with hooven sued and billy kidman and conan it's gonna literally pop up i had it and i lost it it's gonna pop up randomly uh in a moment but be that as it may outside of that he's always been a baby face you have this sort of heat magnet that is logan paul the attraction nature of it yeah so he's, he's gone up against like a seth he had that based on that moment like you mentioned from the royal rumble against a ricochet type of thing we've had all these sort of strategically place things and now to add the element of a u.s title or by proxy ray mysterio i think is quite interesting so he's once again like a like we mentioned first thing i think they're using him sporadically where they've done a good job of kind of peppering him in 
to have a sort of an attractive uh, nature uh, to his, his presence. So I think the usage of him, and it's kind of interesting the timing because he's coming right off of that boxing match like the week or so ago. So we're lining up for that big, big show in, uh, in Saudi Arabia upcoming, of course. So I think it's probably a decent time. We probably need a one-off match if, uh, if that's the case. So a good heel, a decent heater up against a good baby face sort of always works, even on short notice. Joker, you got a little something? Filthy animals. Thank you. That's what it was. I had it and I lost it, and thank you for reminding me. So yeah, outside of that very <laughs> short run... As a sort of tweener with the filthy animals in WCW and Unmasked Ray, he's always been a baby face there. Uh, but to transition for this real quick, is this is this even a match that you would maybe look forward to? Like we had mentioned, the, the promo was short there face-to-face. It was kind of bland. It's just like, hey, I want the U.S. title. Okay, you know, I'm going to, you know, beat you like... Uh, you know, pretend like you're Dom and, and whoop you, and, and that's going to do it for me. And I don't know. It's kind of semi-short notice. We got a couple weeks still the pay-per-view out in Saudi Arabia, but I don't know. Are you, are you bought into this? Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that a lot of the matches that um, Logan Paul puts on are actually pretty pretty good, um like they're high octane. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that he does that is surprising. Um, between him and Bad Bunny, like it's one of those things that you look at and you go, "Wow!" Like these guys have an athletic ability and a and a mind for this that you know we just we just kind of still tag them with the celebrity moniker. They're coming in and and taking opportunities away from people where. Actually, they're they're bringing in people like they they bring opportunities now, um, and it's all about how serious these uh, stars want to take. And I think Logan Paul takes his his athletic ability pretty serious. Um, and while I'm not saying this is a match that I am going to be sort of only homing in on 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 um, on Crown Jewel, I I probably will watch it with some interest um i don't think Rey mysterio's u.s title run has been anything great uh but i don't think i see logan paul winning the u.s title although that actually might be really good for him if if and only if he was to have several appearances running up to and possibly including next year's WrestleMania, um, if he became more of an involved person, not saying every week, but I'm saying every couple of weeks, we get reminded that, oh, well, you know, he's out here being social media with the US title, like that him with a title would get eyes. And I feel like, you know, with the new Endeavor, uh, with the Endeavor uh, merger, um, that this is something that they would entertain. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it could be something interesting. I'm interested more so in the result possibly than I am how we get there. Uh, but, um, maybe that's just because I'm, uh, I'm selfish and kind of want to see what happens when we introduce a little bit of chaos in the world. That's quite the interesting point for sure. WWE since the 
80s, I mean, we talk about is always trying to get mainstream or more eyes on their product, their partnership with MTV, uh, the uh, brawl to end it all, which, of course, then led into WrestleMania, you know, trying to get stars and, and mainstream people from music and, and television and just big piece to that. I mean, up until you think of uh, Mike Tyson just coming in or uh, the late 90s, trying to get more eyes on the product as well. You have all these little endeavors. I mean, all these like kind of celebrity appearances, the raw guest host, uh, geez, what was it like? Kevin Federline, mid 2000s or something. He beat John Cena match randomly. Like you're always trying to, you know, I think Donald Trump made a couple appearances. You're always trying to get sort of celebrity involvement, more eyes on the product. And you made an excellent point of the possibility of the likes, you know, for the, for the person himself. Logan Paul, uh, like him or not, he's he's got some popularity, and to have him appear at a show, to possibly even hold a title, and him making social media posts or making an appearance or something like that. I mean, to to have a, to have a championship is would be good for getting eyes on the business, and oddly enough, if they can justify it, they could really figure out a way even though he's super part-time to have him like you said maybe show up a couple maybe every two to three weeks as a reminder to post here do an interaction on a raw or something like that or a smackdown and just to show up leading to maybe a match at the rumble or something like that they if they wanted to they could definitely make that work to to like you said to get more eyes on the product. So you, you planted that seed in my mind. And that, that's kind of what I do. I introduce chaos, PT. I like, I like to do that. And legitimately, as I was talking about the title, whenever I was going through that point, it was forming in my head. It's like, what if Logan Paul just won this? Like, what, what if he got that title? Like, yeah, I know his contract is like for limited dates and appearances and stuff, but like, it would be really good now that we have this endeavor merger um with the wwe that they kind of want to increase their scope so then in my head i was just like oh that'd be actually be a really interesting business idea for social influence to come in if they see him with the title like we, we have done it before um so it's it's a case of cool we we may not be uh, using Freddie Prince Jr. with the big gold belt this time, but we've got Logan Paul and um, you know his his well, I don't know. I suppose his modest uh, social media following. It's definitely a few million more than me. Um, but uh, I think it'd be I, I think it would be to to turn a phrase from you know uh, from from Papa H back in the day. It's good for business. If Logan Paul wins this match versus Rey Mysterio, and now I have talked myself into it, PT, I am now invested in this match, and I want it to happen. I'm actually, yeah, definitely more interested in the outcome, though. And not to downplay the United States Championship, but since WrestleMania, that match with Austin Theory and John Cena, sort of being the highlight of his reign, and then not doing much in the in the coming months, losing the title to Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio's had a defense or two that I can even recall. It hasn't been featured juxtaposed to a 
Intercontinental Championship, which is Gunther, is just the way they've marketed him, the way they've had matches. He hasn't been featured on the pay-per-views, but he's had defenses. He's a big part of Raw. Uh, that even that mention, like if they had Gunther face off against uh, Logan Paul, Gunther would be super babyface in that match because he'd just be chopping the crap out of Logan's chest and everyone would be cheering, so they might not want to do Everybody that. Everybody would love it, yeah. But to where I'm going with this is that you, you know, it's it's they're trying to figure out what they want to do with the United States title, but we've seen you don't have you can have a champion that's not on television or that doesn't defend. Uh, cue Roman Reigns, cue Rhea Ripley to some extent. She's still featured on TV, but she hasn't had a ton of defenses. To be fair, minus the house shows, but you can have him just be the kind of presence, and you can have a, a super baby face like do the do the old the 2015 Roman Reigns or the or the Drew McIntyre you're holding the title hostage we want it back type of thing you know you should show up to work type of deal you can run that character back to to against a Logan Paul type of thing and and then have that baby face you know want to to do that so i think yeah my my question my last question for the segment was you know do we think he could take the title and you've kind of talked me into the match brother where he could potentially win and carry that for maybe like the next month month and change so wow i i didn't expect it but yeah i mean i i could see it now it it's just one of those things that you look at and you go oh wow like i can't believe this is something that um that might actually happen and is more interesting and i want to correct myself from earlier it was David Arquette, not Fred Prince Jr. I'm an idiot. Um, like having this famous person, it's 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 shock. It's shock and awe. Like we haven't been doing things with the US title, like you just said, but we've been doing things with the IC title. Like, sure, fair enough. It hasn't been on pay-per-views, but neither of the actual big belts, you know, the the big belts held by Seth and Roman, have been defended or talked about as much as the IC or US title. Um, we had the IC title on SmackDown previously, which was being defended quite regularly by Gunther. Um, and now by comparison, that US title is 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 sort of just a placeholder. This is um this is a really good sort of um building block that we could get out here. And not only would it be really good for uh Logan Paul, but it would also give us a way to get this belt onto Santos Escobar without him beating Ray and then having uh, Ray and Santos have a match where Santos then ev- eventually beats Ray anyway. Um, it's just one of those things that would be really, really good that if Santos ended up having that belt. I just don't see them making a compelling reason without Logan Paul having this belt or another heel. Um, without them having that belt for Santos to win or to even have a match with Ray again. And so having this ish-eating grin, having Logan Paul win this belt, parade it around everywhere, even have another boxing match and come out wearing it, like, brother just comes out doing whatever he wants with this belt. Fantastic. It, it, it's, it, would, it would cement the beginning of a uh, great reign for the next person with that US title. 
You talked me into it. There we go. So I I was on the fence. I was like, yeah, just Bray's gonna win. It's gonna be a one-off. But you've inceptioned my brain and you've you've planted that seed and now it's very much a viable option. So And now watch us be disappointed when Ray wins. <laughs> I'm like, okay, it is what it is. So like, it kinda happened, but I mean I'm I'm not I'm in, I'm in a world where I don't get to see this stuff. Did you did you just work us into a shoot, brother? <laughs> I think I did. I think I did, yeah. All right, well, hopefully we'll see what happens in a, in a couple of weeks when that pay-per-view happens. But that, nonetheless, was quite interesting. Those were our thoughts on Logan Paul wanting the U.S. title. Joker's uh, talked me in, brother, to uh, the shoot becomes a work, work becomes a shoot of Logan possibly winning this and seeing the outcome. But let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what your thoughts are on Logan Paul versus Rey Mysterio for the United States Championship. If you're interested and much like Joker has worked me up, brother, do you think that Logan Paul conceivably could win the U.S. title? Let us know down in the comments below. All right, we're going to wind down on out of here. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Quite the, quite the week. Lots of folks, lots of character development, lots of folks calling out other wrestlers, lots of people maybe winding down upcoming. Quite the just all around week. What were your uh, what were your takeaways from this, brother? Uh, I mean, yeah, there was there was just an awful lot of sort of character development, like you said, that that was sort of made sense but also kind of took away from the fact that we didn't really get to see very much. You know, it was a lot of building towards plot that is going to pay off in the future. Um, I feel like there was a lot of that happening. There was a lot of, you know, potential for, for some, uh, for some women's matches in the future, which is going to be good. Um, and the, speculation around what is going to be Sting's match. Like that's also going to be fun to kind of witness to see what's going to happen. Um and also I, I love I love just theory craft and a bit of fantasy booking. Um and we just did that. We booked ourselves into a new US champ. So I mean I'm I'm good with that brother. Just just getting to getting to flex the old bollocks meter, you know, it's it, it's kind of it's kind of fun. Yeah, a lot of that, I think building is the correct word. We had a lot of character building from Drew. We had uh, a lot of uh, building towards possibly what's next with the Judgment Day, of course. We got one thing out of it, which was the five-way match with Rhea. We're going to see what happens with Dom's NXT title as well as Finn and Damian's tags. We got the building towards Sting's next uh, final match, rather, I'm sorry. And then, of course, the now-announced U.S. title. So yeah, lots of moving parts in those directions. Hopefully we do see some payoff. Of course, we'll get a pay-per-view match in a couple weeks, but what's to develop with some of those other parts? Hopefully it's more positive. We can build around and build up other folks with some of the people we are utilizing. A little bit of that rubski, a little bit of that time and energy to make the other folks around you say about a team. You're always as good as your weakest link so if you have compelling characters and you have strong people to work with you need good baby faces for heels and you need good heels for baby faces so as long as we can have those and work towards something that ultimately pays off that's where we're at and that's what we want 
and that's what we enjoy. Hopefully that good story ending to those portions. So appreciate everybody coming along with us. We're going to wind down out of here. So for TF Joker. Logan Paul for US Champ. You know you love it. There you go. And for me, Pretty Tony, thank you for your time. Letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we'll catch you next time. Peace.